Hello there. It's good to be back with you again. This is Dawn Richards of The Good Life with Dawn Richards, and I am so glad that I am able to share with you today. It's always a delight for me, and I have to say, happy August. Um, We made it. We are now in the eighth month of what probably for most feels like the longest year so far, Uh, but I'm still claiming this as a year of God's goodness, and I hope you are too. And the great thing about August in particular is it's the eighth month, and eight represents new beginnings. So uh, if you are in need of, you know, some freshening in your life, um, maybe to have some circumstances refreshed, some new things come in, some old things fade away, then what better time to really stake your claim and release your faith than in the month of new beginnings? So that's not what we're talking about um, in depth today, but I thought I'd share that just to encourage you and to say uh, welcome to a new month. It's always a blessing Uh, to see a new day, let alone a new month and a new year. So um, I'm excited about what the Lord has in store for us this month. And I'm excited about today's word that I'll be sharing. I will have to once again say this is uh, a working title, but today I want to talk about strength and weakness. And this is our episode number 30 of the podcast. So I will possibly do seasons at some point. I haven't done seasons so far, um, but that seems to be kind of one of the ways to kind of structure your podcast. So we'll see. But we're on episode 30. If you're if you're um, wanting to come back to it at some point, you can mark it that way. And I um, have been thinking about this topic for a while now um, around strength and weakness, kind of that juxtaposition, and really especially... Um, you know, kind of that ideology of the strong woman or in particular the strong black woman and how that can be impairing to us um, to kind of carry that as a mantra, um, you know, without, without reprieve, so to speak. So it's like you always have to be the strong one. You always have to be the strong, you know, person in the situation and and how that can impact your mental health, that can impact your emotional well-being. And it actually doesn't really line up with the Bible. And that's one thing that I discovered and was, you know, reassured around um, because I know me personally and I I will talk about me. um, I'll pick on me, so to speak. I know that, um, you know, just my, my disposition is typically to embrace situations from a position of strength. And I think that is always still the right thing to do, but, you know, giving, you know, myself, um, talking about me, myself permission to, you know, display, you know, more vulnerability, display more, um, weakness, so to speak in certain scenarios. Um, I, I think I've, instead of leaning into that, I think I've more leaned into, you know, I've got to be, you know, strong at all times. I've got to be stalwart. And I'm talking about in the face of, you know, some serious life circumstances, whether it was the passing of a loved one or just something traumatic or whatever happening, um, the things that happen in life that can really, you know, kind of throw you for a loop, um, and really kind of, you know, deal a blow. And I know that ultimately, um, especially in my um, adult years that has been rooted in the Lord for the most part, I think I was still somehow at times mixing up, you know, my spiritual stance with my ability to just 
again, lean into that, that vulnerability, lean into weakness. I don't, I, you see, I'm even with the saying the word, I'm still getting, um, adjusted and accustomed to, to actually, you know, embracing that as a word, but the, the Bible gives us permission to do that as we'll see shortly. Um, and knowing how to, you know, embrace both just because we are vulnerable, just because we, you know, share our struggles, just because we, open up and, and I'm talking about primarily in safe spaces and with people you trust, you, it doesn't need to be for the whole world. Um, but as God leads, you know, you open yourself up and you're vulnerable, vulnerable, vulnerable about, you know, what's going on, how you're doing, um, what's, you know, bothering you, what's challenging you so that first and foremost, you know, people can know how to help and they can know how to be there for us and they can know how to support us. Um, you know, if we don't give those windows into our souls and into our, our lives, then how is anyone to know really? Um, I mean, yes, God can tell them, yes, they can pray, but in earnest, you know, as we exchange and have fellowship with each other, there should be that level of, um, you know, intimacy so I'm excited to talk about the permission that we get from God himself to be weak and to be vulnerable and to lean into him and what that means and how that ultimately leads us right, leads us right back around to strength. So even when we talk about, you know, leaning into our weakness and embracing weakness, um, and as the Bible kind of lays out, it's not our resting place. Um, we are weak in him so that we can ultimately be strong and stronger than we could ever be on our own. Because the strength that I'm referring to when we're labeled or we carry this mantra or this false narrative of I've got to be strong all the time. I can never, you know, have a chink in my armor. That is, um, you know, our worldly human strength, not the divine supernatural strength of the Lord, which is where our power really does come from. And I actually took the time to look up the definitions of strength and weakness, because I want you to, to listen to what, um, you know, just generically what the dictionary has to say. So strength is defined. One of the definitions I'll say is defined as the capacity of an object or substance to withstand great force or pressure. So listen at that again. The capacity of an object or substance to withstand great force or pressure. And doesn't that go right back to that, that mantra and that narrative of, you know, the strong black woman or, you know, the strong black man or whatever that looks like and how all this pressure is beating down on you. Maybe it's societal pressure. Maybe it's pressure to perform on your job. Maybe it's family pressures, you know, whatever that looks like, financial pressures. And you are strong, the world says, when you're able to withstand this great pressure and this great force that comes against you, um, you know, assaults on your identity, uh, you know, from a racist standpoint or a racism standpoint, all these things that come at you and they, they come as assaults, you know, with great force and great pressure. And you're never supposed to be able to, you know, kind of surrender and say, Hey, I need a break. You know, I need to tap in my, <laughs> my partner. I need to phone a friend as in Jesus. Um, that's how the world sees it. And many of us, have been raised that way, groomed that way, society kind of, you know, tailors it that way. 
Um, but we've got to learn what the word of God has to say so we can be healthy and whole, um, no matter what we're facing in life. And we can give ourselves permission to have that vulnerability, to have those windows into our souls and into our lives so we can get the support, the love, the help, and yes, the divine strength that we need to persevere. And then listen at this weakness, uh, the state or condition of lacking strength, a quality or feature regarded as a disadvantage or fault. So I'm going to read that once more. Weakness is defined as the state or condition of lacking strength, a quality or feature regarded as a disadvantage or fault. Now, I would say in the worldly view of that, absolutely. I mean, again, going back to myself, even, you know, like over the years of my career and like in job interviews, and they would ask you the question, inevitably this question comes up. What do you think is one of your greatest strengths? What do you think is one of your greatest weaknesses? I never would even use the word weakness. I had been coached that when that question comes up, you don't use the word weakness. When you respond, you say, well, I can, I feel like I have room to develop in this area. And so you, you, you take weakness entirely out of the equation because you don't want that association because somehow it's a fault. It's a fault. So my wording would be, you know, I, I have room to develop in X, Y, Z area. And then I would elaborate. And that was supposed to be like the, like the, you know, the, the top answer, like you get an A plus for that answer. But what if we all just settled into the realness of, yes, there are areas where we're weak and there are areas where we're strong. And I think the best approach and the the winning strategy for life is to give more attention to your strengths than you do to your weaknesses because they will inevitably diminish because what you give the most focus to is what grows in your life. And that's the beauty of relationships. Not only our relationship with God, but our relationship with one another. Because as I've learned over the years um, in walking with the Lord, when you have covenant relationships and friendship, true friendship is a covenant relationship. Marriage is a covenant relationship. You know, there are covenant relationships that you have in your life. And the benefit of the covenant is that it's designed to eliminate weaknesses. Because where you're strong and I'm weak, your strength overtakes my weakness and where I'm strong and you're weak, my strength overtakes your weaknesses. So when you put it all together, you're only left with strengths. And so that's, I, that's God's ideal design for relationship. Um, again, whether it's platonic, whether it's romantic, whatever that looks like, uh, that's, that's the ultimate. And that's the ultimate where we're concerned. Obviously God will never be weak. And so we can't really do anything for him in that capacity, but he can do everything for us when it comes to our weaknesses being traded for his strengths. It's a divine exchange that we just benefit from just because he's our father, just because he loves us, just because he's good like that. Um, he knows there's nothing we can do for him (laughs) in that sense, but he's ready and willing and able to do that and more for us. And so I want us to look at the open invitation we have to (sighs) woosah first and foremost with God, because that is always going to be a safe space. You and God alone, you opening your heart to him, 
you being vulnerable with him, you telling him exactly what's going on, because guess what? He already knows. If you never mention it, if you never utter a word, if you tiptoe around it for the rest of your life, God still knows. So why not open up to the one who loves and knows you better than you love and know yourself and be vulnerable, be vulnerable about what you're struggling with or what hurt you or, you know, how you feel like you messed up or, you know, what your, you know, desires are, anything that concerns you bring you to him. And I'm speaking to myself as well, because sometimes I think we think if we don't say it out loud to the Lord that he doesn't know. <laughs> and that might be true with your spouse or with your best friend or with your coworkers, but it's never going to be true with God because he knows all and he knows everything about our lives. So it's, it's refreshing um, for him and for us when we can have that deep level of intimacy with him when we just open our hearts to him. And then he, through his goodness and his grace, can then navigate us on those paths of restoration and strength and bravery and courage and resilience and hope and faith so that we do maintain ultimate strength and ultimate victory. Because leaning into weakness in God still results in strength and victory. You still come out on the winning side. And I think that was one of the paradigm shifts just consciously thinking about it that I had to acknowledge. Like, I think I knew that, you know, if I maintain this, I'm strong. Okay. Yeah. You know, my faith is getting me through, you know, and, 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 you know, I'm good. I'm going to walk this out by faith. Well, yeah, I'm walking out by faith, but that doesn't mean that I can't still show some signs of being human. <laughs> I still might have to shed a tear. I still might get upset. I still might, you know, respond in a way that's not ideal. I still might you know, be hurt. Um, and that is being human. And so that was the part for me that I had to reconcile. Maybe for you, it's something else. But ultimately, I had to recognize even in those moments that that didn't take me off the path of God's best and the path of God's goodness. As long as I continue to keep my eyes on him, continue to keep my focus on what he said to me and about me and lean into who he really is to me in, in my life. And so starting in 2 Corinthians 12, if you have your Bibles um, and you want to read along, let's go to 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. If not, you can just jot it down, take notes, and always come back later. <clears throat> Excuse me. But there, the Apostle Paul is, is sharing, and you know he's being vulnerable <laughs> with the Corinthians that he's writing to, and he's talking about how, you know, this thorn has been in his flesh and how he, he knew it was a messenger from Satan that was trying to kind of take him down a notch or two. Um, and really, I think I've heard scholars say that there were people, you know, who still are, can be messengers of Satan for sure. Most often that's how he works. And they were basically, you know, just trying to stir up trouble in his ministry. And he had been praying about it and he had, you know, been trying to deal with it on his own. And it kept going. It was like three, he said three times now, I've already prayed about this. I've already tried to deal with this and it's not working essentially. And so the Lord finally speaks to him there in verse nine and 10. And he says, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. My power, my ability 
to do what you can't do on your behalf, which is one of the ways you can define grace. There are multi multi um, facets to grace. So it's not one dimensional, it's multidimensional. And one of the dimensions of grace is God's power being exercised on our behalf to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. And so obviously Paul couldn't get the job done himself. He'd been trying. And that's when the Lord lovingly said to him, really, all you need is my grace. All you need is my grace. It's sufficient. It's, it's able to do for you what you're trying to do and haven't been able to do. It's able to get the job done. And he said, my power actually works best in weakness. And so then Paul recognized after the Lord spoke that to him. So the Lord was basically saying, hey, my grace, my power is sufficient for you. My strength is sufficient for you. If you'll give it to me, if you'll just be weak in this, if you'll kind of surrender and recognize that you don't have what it takes to get this done. Maybe in another another scenario, his faith, his, you know, his uh, belief and all that was sufficient. But in this scenario, you know, the ante had been upped and he couldn't get it done on his own. But God said, no worries. I still got you because my grace is sufficient. And in fact, you want to know how my power works best? It's when you're weak. It's when you acknowledge that you can't do it on your own. It's when you come to me and you let me take over and you let me be God in your life. And he said, so now... This is Paul talking after he gets this wonderful revelation from the Lord. He goes, so now I'm able to boast about my weaknesses. Oh, you ain't said nothing, Lord. Are you kidding? Now I can go on and on about my weaknesses. I can be an open book to you. I can come to you with anything. I can share my heart with you because I know that you have whatever I need. He says, so that the power of Christ can work through me. I see it kind of as a 360 degree design where we start off in a place of weakness or maybe we start off in artificial strength, which is our own strength. And then we surrender and we tap into and we lean into weakness. We lean into vulnerability. We lean into surrender where we say, Lord, I can't, but you can. And then God in his faithful, committed, loving way steps right in and says, you're absolutely right. I can, and not only can I, but I will. And so he brings his strength to bear in our lives, in our circumstances, in our situations. And that can take, you know, many designs. Sometimes it's him literally infusing us with the strength to continue. And so it's not that we're doing something wrong. Maybe we just need to do it longer, or maybe we just need to have a lot more perseverance. And so God is equipping us. He's strengthening us. He's emboldening us. It's almost like a blow up doll. He's blowing the life force of the spirit into us so that we can be revived to continue our race, to continue our fight. In other times, it may look totally different, but whatever we need and whatever the circumstance merits, God has promised that his grace is sufficient. And so we can now be like, oh my gosh, are you kidding? 
you can exhale. You can take the load off. You can boast, as Paul said, in your weaknesses. Because as I talked about that 360 degree cycle, it doesn't stop there. It starts with our artificial strength, usually. And then we surrender into God's weakness. Uh, We surrender to our weakness and then we hit God's strength and then he brings us back around to ultimate strength and ultimate victory in him. Because Paul said, now I realize it's not me, but it's the power of Christ working through me. And he also said that over in Philippians 4, 13, you probably know it by heart. He says, I can do all things. Through me, through my smarts, through my degrees, through my network, through who likes me and who thinks I'm the the stuff? No. Through my net worth? No. But I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. And I love the Amplified Bible translation there because he says, I can do all things through Christ. And then he amplifies what he's meaning by that. He says, I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses me with inner strength. Glory to God. You want to be ready for anything? Because sometimes life throws you stuff and you're like, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) But he says, I am ready for anything. And I'm equal to anything, meaning there's nothing that can best me. There's nothing that can get the best of me through Christ. So once again, it's displacing who we are and all that we can conjure up. And it's just throwing it all over on the Lord. Like, here you go, Lord. Okay. You know, it's like the little kid in in school who has the bully that keeps taunting him. And he realizes, you know what? I'm no match for this bully. I'm a kindergartner. Let's see. This bully is in the third grade. This bully is taller, bigger. Um, So you know what? I'm going to go get my brother. My big brother that's in the fifth grade. And this third grade bully is no match for my fifth grade big brother. And the fifth grade big brother steps on the scene and says, oh, you got a problem with my little brother? Let's talk. And it's squashed. So we have a big brother, Jesus. We have a father, God. And the invitation is here for them to step in on the scene and handle it on our behalf and then hand us the victory. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. It's too good to be true. It's too good to be true, but it is. It's true. And yes, it is too good because that's the God we serve. Hallelujah. So let's look at some more. I hope you're being blessed and realizing today that vulnerability trumps weakness. I mean, excuse me, trumps, you know, trying to be strong all the time for everyone and everything. You know, maybe you're the person in in your family where whenever something happens, everybody runs to you and you always have to be the strong one. You never get to be the one to let your hair down, so to speak. You never be the 
you never get to be the one to cry or to, you know, show weakness or show vulnerability. That has to stop because it's hurting you. It's not healthy. It's not the way God intended for us to live. We have to give ourselves permission. If everyone else around you won't give you that permission, then you have to establish some boundaries and you have to give yourself permission. And then everyone else will just have to deal. Glory to God. And guess what? Maybe they'll start going to God instead of coming to you. Because if you stop being that source and you turn off that flow because you're nurturing you and you, you and God now understand what page you should be on, then that's going to, by default, force them to find somebody else. Now, whether they choose to go to God or whether they choose to latch on to somebody or something else, that's their decision. They have to walk it out for themselves as well. But we can't be, you know, the free for all and the catch all and the dumping ground for everyone else's, you know, sake. And even, even as I'm learning and growing in, in, in these things and, you know, working with my own self, um, in certain ways, I'm always conscious about, you know, what am I projecting to someone else? And also around those boundaries, what I'm going to allow to come into me, because you do have certain people, you know, that pretty much whenever you hear from them or they reach out, it's drama. Now, thankfully, I don't have a lot of that, but I know that that is a reality and that some people have that bent where they're reaching out because something's not right and you're their dumping ground. And guess what? God didn't create us to be someone's dumping ground. I think the most respectful thing all of us can do is when we actually do need to share, because sometimes you do need to share. Sometimes you need a listening ear. Sometimes you need someone to tell you everything's going to be okay right here in the natural, while you're trusting God, while you're walking through it. And again, that's why God gave us relationship. That's why he, he's designed us to be connected so we can be the body of Christ to one another. And we can love each other and support each other in these ways and pray for one another and build each other up and encourage each other. We all need that. That's, again, a part of the human experience. But what I think we all should be very conscious of, and I've endeavored to be conscious of this for many years, it's the fact that, number one, everybody has things going on in their lives. People have their own problems. So before I come and I make a grand sprint to go dump my problems on people, recognize they already have their own problems to deal with. So me adding to that is not ideal. Now, again, that, that doesn't mean you can't ever reach out and go to someone and get support and get help and and have that fellowship. Of course you can. But I'm just saying, maintain that. And then when you do decide to reach out, this is how you can be the most respectful of the other person. Because we never know what another person is going through. Just like they don't know what you're going through unless you tell them. Typically, you're not going to know what they're going through unless they tell you. So this is a great approach that I've seen suggested. And I love it. And it's in the fact of reaching out and acknowledging that you have a need for connection. You have a need to talk. You know, maybe you're lonely. Maybe, you know, the coronavirus has had, has many of us pretty much in a place of isolation because you can't really do much outside of your home and within your home, you know, you're just in your home and you could be in your home alone, depending on your living scenario. So that is Welcome. That is good, but this is a way to couch it where you can make sure the timing is right and this is the right person. And you can always go back in prayer and say, well, Lord, you know, if they're not available, show me who is. But just ask them. 
you know, do you have the mental capacity? Do you have the mental space and wellness capacity to, you know, allow me to share some things with you today? That's being respectful before you just start dumping on another person because maybe they don't have the capacity to take in what you're putting out there. But you know what? You know who always has the capacity if that friend is not available, if that person is not open or receptive, if they have their own stuff and they just simply can't be there for you at this time. It doesn't mean they don't love you. It doesn't mean they don't care. God is always available. His word is always available. His spirit, his presence, his promises are always available for us. And so we've got to train ourselves to make God our first default. That we go to him first and foremost. And yes, we still connect and we still benefit from those other relationships, those horizontal relationships. But no matter what, we're always going to be good because we've got him. That is really the sequence. The sequence should be God first, everybody else second. Your mom, your dad. Oh, I'm a daddy's girl. You know, my dad, he's always there. Okay, well. After you've gone to God, then you can go to mom, dad, the doctor, the lawyer, the teacher, the pastor, whomever, the best friend, the husband, the wife. But number one, you should go to God. And then everything else is just icing on the cake, right? It's just icing on top or sprinkles on top. So Isaiah 40, let's go to Isaiah 40. And see what the word has to say there. Because the Bible has so much to say about leaning into our weakness so that we really can be truly strong, not artificially strong, not what the world defines as strong. Because the world just said if you're weak, you're at a disadvantage and you're there's something wrong with you. It said it's a fault. You know, it's a it's a blemish and God is saying I don't see it that way I see it as I designed you to come to me when you're weak and when you're not enough for whatever situation or circumstance and I happily make my grace my power my all-powerful all-knowing essence of who I am available to you that's like you being a mail clerk in a Fortune 500 company and you can't get the job done, but the CEO has given you direct access to him or her. I'll say her. The CEO has given you direct access to her and has already told you in a personal exchange that anytime you have a challenge or a concern, you can come directly to them and they make good on it. It's the same thing with us and God. Glory to God. So Isaiah 40 and let's start in verse 29. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, but you can listen along or go back when you get a moment um, or you can follow along whatever translation you have. And so it says he gives power to the weak. He gives power to the weak. He doesn't give power to the people who pretend to be strong all the time and like they don't need anything. He gives power to the weak. And since he knows that we're always weak in comparison to him, he's giving power to us all the time, pretty much. But he gives power to the weak and strength 
to the powerless. So no matter how you slice it, God says, my power is here for you. My grace is sufficient for you. Verse 30, even youths will become weak and tired. You can be the, the, the youngest, the strongest, the brightest, the richest, the hottest, the flyest. But at some point, if you want to really break this down and 21st century dawn speak, at some point, you're still going to need some help. At some point, there's still going to be something that you, your status, your good looks, your money, your chums can't do, can't make happen. You know, maybe it's a sickness and disease that there's no known cure for. All the money in the world can't heal you, but God can. Maybe there's a challenge in your marriage, your family, your child dynamic with your child. All the, you know, riches of the world can't solve that, but God can. He can give you wisdom on how to solve that relationship. That's strength. That's grace. Remember I said one of the definitions of grace is God's power. Being able to do for you and do for me what we couldn't do for ourselves. If you're diagnosed with an incurable disease, it's obvious you can't heal yourself. If your family is falling apart for something, for some reason, your child is now all of a sudden, you know, not responding to you and distant and inaccessible. And maybe their peers or something on the Internet has captured them. That's something that you can't do. You can't fix it. You can't throw money at it and fix it. You can't throw your good looks at it and fix it. You can't throw your charm at it and fix it. You can't do it. But God can. That is strength being given in exchange for your weakness. He says, so at some point, everybody is going to be in that position of needing help. Even youths will become weak and tired. Even the best of us will have challenges that are beyond us. And young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord, verse 31, will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. And if you go on over to chapter 41, in chapter 41, verses, I want to say 28... Hold on, let me just look that up. I think it starts in verse 28 again, somewhere around there. But ultimately, he ends with telling us that they that wait upon the Lord. Oh, that is 40. Okay, so chapter 40, where we were. He's telling us they that wait upon the Lord. They that wait upon the Lord. They that seek the Lord. They that make a priority of spending time with the Lord. 
They that bring their problems and their challenges and their issues before the Lord. They will get the strength that they need to rise up and ultimately to soar. Which means what? Victory. I don't know if you've heard episode 29, but we talked about this a bit in episode 29. And one of the things I talked about there was how God can change anything about our lives. All he needs is time. You can go back and listen, but all he needs is time. And again, I I made it clear that when I said that, I wasn't referring to a 30-minute interval, uh, six weeks. You know, God can fix anything before we can even blink, before we can take our next breath. He can solve every issue known to man. So he's not talking about natural time in that sense. He's talking about a commitment of from us to spend time in his presence. Because what do you think is happening in those moments? There is a divine exchange. There is a divine infusion occurring where he is pouring all that he is into us so that we can go out into our lives, into the world. And have his will come to pass in our lives. So that we can see his manifested blessings in our lives. But if we never open ourselves up to him in that way. He's limited in what he can do. Because we don't have the mind of Christ. We don't have the wisdom of God to know what to do. When we don't know what to do. Ultimately wisdom is knowing what to do. When you in your own self don't know what to do. So once again, we still go back to the genesis of when we're weak, when we're devoid of knowledge, power, ability to make something happen or not happen, then we lean into his grace. We lean into his power to do all things because Paul said, I can do all things. I'm ready for anything and I'm equal to anything. Through Christ, who strengthens me, which strengthens me and gives me inner strength. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Ephesians 6 tells us to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So God has never wanted us to rest in a place of defeat and weakness as We would define it as the world defines it. No, in fact, he wants us to be strong, but he knows that that strength is only going to come as we lean into him, as we lean into the weakness and and the vulnerability and the ultimate acknowledgement that without him, we can do nothing. And I say it, I say, Lord, without you, I can do nothing. But I don't stop there because I know that's not the end of the story. Remember I said it's a circle that comes all the way back around. It's a full circle. So I start off by acknowledging without you, Lord, I can do nothing. I can't be the minister, the daughter, ultimately the wife again, the friend, the, you know, the, the, um, leader, whatever that looks like. I can't do any of that without you. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
And so that's my ultimate position. So you start off with the surrender, with the humility, with the vulnerability, with the Lord help. And then his grace, his power, his strength is made perfect in our weakness. And the Bible talks endlessly about how we grow in strength. The Bible says when we trust in the Lord that we receive strength. There's so many ways that God ministers strength to us. God tells us over and over to be strong and courageous. So his intent is never for us to, to stop and to pitch a tent in our weaknesses. His intention is for us to come to the source of strength, which is him, his word, his strength, his spirit, the Holy Spirit, and to draw from that well of eternal life and then to go on to see the finish and to see the victory that belongs to us. God is the strength of our lives. He is the one that makes our way secure. He is our strong fortress. He is our refuge. So anytime we try to navigate outside of him and we've received him as our Lord and Savior, we're doing ourselves the biggest disservice we ever could. And we're spinning our wheels. If you felt uncomfortable about coming to God in that way, you have to know today that he welcomes you. No one is perfect. Paul wasn't perfect, but he recognized that there was nothing he could do about the situation and he had to ultimately surrender it to God. And that's how we have to be. It doesn't matter if you've messed up a thousand times. God is still there waiting for you on that thousandth and one time. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you will want your child to come to you, no matter what they've done, and you've told your child that I'm going to love you no matter what, don't you know God is infinitely greater than any human parent and that that is his exact heart towards you? So you don't let shame, you don't let guilt, you don't let condemnation, you don't let naysayers, you don't let you know, anybody who doesn't know the Lord, you don't let any of that stop you or detract you from having that deep, intimate connection with the Lord. Because just like he turned the Apostle Paul, who was Saul before that, who was a murderer, a murderer, that's who he was. And turned him into one of the greatest apostles of all time who wrote three-fourths of the New Testament. The same transformation that he did in that man's life, he can do in anyone's life if we let him. So, you have good ground to go boldly to the throne of grace and receive the grace and mercy that you need in your time of need. To receive your strength from the Lord and to recognize that it's okay 
to be weak. Because the story doesn't stop there. When we tap into God and his strength, we always end in that strong position. Let that stick. You're not weak. You're facing a weakness, but you're not weak. The Bible says you're strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And joy ministers strength to us. The Bible says in Nehemiah 8.10 that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So start to monitor your joy levels when you're feeling weak and out of, you know, out of step and sync with God. Start to monitor your faith levels because trust builds up your strength in the Lord. Praising God builds up your strength in the Lord. So God is ready. He's willing. He's available. And now all we have to do is respond. I want to thank you for listening today. I pray that this message has blessed you. I pray that it has touched your life. I pray that you will be liberal in sharing it because I'm sure there's someone you know who could benefit from hearing this. And so please download it. Subscribe if you haven't already. Follow, leave comments, rate it, you know, share with your friends, your family, your network. And let's, you know, walk this thing out together. Um, loving God, embracing the good life that he's prearranged and made ready for us to live. It's the good life of Dawn Richards. And my charge is to minister life and light and love and truth Sometimes it'll be hard truth. Sometimes it'll be easy to swallow truth. But regardless, we're here together to seek God's best. And I thank you for sharing in this with me. I thank you for being a part of it. I thank you for allowing me to speak and to share with you what I receive from the Lord and what I believe he has me to share. And so as we close... I want to pray if there's anyone listening who has not received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I do want to pray with you now so that you can be born again. And everything that we just talked about, you can embrace it for yourself. Because that's the first step in seeing any any engagement, any benefits from knowing God. You have to first and foremost be born again. Remember Jesus told He told, uh, what was the gentleman's name in John three, I forget his name, but the man that came to him at night and he was asking him about all these things and he came to him at night because, you know, he was a big deal in the synagogue and he didn't want the fellow Jews to see him talking to Jesus. But Jesus made it clear to him that, you know, we can sit here and talk, we can have this chat, but ultimately you have to be born again. And he wasn't just talking to him. He was talking to every person on the face of the earth. You must be born again. And then he scratched his head and he said, well, I've already been born of my mom. How can I be born of her again? And Jesus said, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about who you are at your core, which is your spirit. You have to be born from above. You have to be born of God. And that is what secures your eternity with God. That is what makes you a child of God. 
And that is what opens up the storehouses of heaven to you in your life. So if that's you, you can repeat this after me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I believe that he rose again. And I receive him now as my personal Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me of all of my sins. I am now a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. And yes, it's just that simple child of God. You are now born again. You are now saved. You are now a child of God. So thank you again for listening. As always, remember to live intentionally and to embrace the good life in Jesus Christ. Amen.